Welcome back to Beyond the Palm Podcast. We're back from a little bit of a hiatus. On this episode, we'll be discussing Florentino Perez commenting again on the Super League, Todd Bowley's ideas on European football, the mess of a sport we call boxing following the cancellation of Eubank Jr. Ben, and finally, we'll look into the NFL's issues with concussions, and we'll talk about Draymond Green's punching Jordan Poole. To start it off, Yosef, uh, let's hear a little bit about Florentino talking about the Super League. All right, yeah. So, you know, this is just a never-ending story these days now. You know, ever since he first tried to let it run back in, uh, you know, 2021. And uh, Perez is at it yet again. And he was talking at, at, at Real Madrid's AGM where he said how football needs professional, modern and transparent management. And he said, we must stop the deterioration of football. And he said, that's why we offered the Super League. So obviously he wants to betray himself as the saviour of football. Yeah, he also highlighted the comparison of tennis. And he said how Nadal and Djokovic have played against each other 59 times. Whereas Real Madrid and Liverpool have only met nine times in 67 years. And he's saying, what's the point of depriving fans? of these matches and you know he just sort of repeated the things he's normally says about like how you know attention spans and you know how we need to modernize the game and you know i think you know we've touched on this before and i feel like i know you guys are supporters and in the past but arif how do you feel about this now i find it interesting he made a comparison to the uh tennis because as far my as i'm aware is Tennis, pretty much the major tournaments are um, brackets as it would be the Champions League. So Nadal and Djokovic wouldn't come against each other because they are, um, the fixtures are forced that way. They come against each other because they are the best. I think he made the comparison between Real Madrid and Liverpool not playing each other enough. Well, the fact of matter is they both weren't good enough to be at the final 40-something times. That's, that's the issue, I think. And I find it's like... It's pretty much, in my opinion, it's just a desperate money grab. He's seeing the the way the Premier League is growing. He's seeing how mid-table clubs are close to matching the likes of, or if not already surpassing Atletico Madrid, their closest rivals after Barcelona. So it's an attempt to get that Premier League money because it's ultimately, I don't think Perez gives a monkeys about... Um, about the competitiveness, it's all, it's all about the money, and he he knows there's a giant gap, and he's just trying his best to hang on. And I think the Premier League clubs have moved on from the Super League. I mean, I agree. I think kind of the um, the tennis thing. I don't know. It, it's weird to me because it's it's. I I totally disagree. I think the fact that these teams don't play often is what makes it good. Um. You know, we've joked around before saying that we support Super League. I love to watch Real Madrid play Bayern all the time. But at the same time, like, it, it's kind of what makes it interesting was that, like, I, it's good to see the finals be different leagues. Like, when Chelsea played Manchester City, they had just played them, like, a week before, I believe. If not the weekend before, right? Like, so it's kind of just like, oh, it's just another Premier League game. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I guess it kind of builds rivalry when teams keep meeting. But at the same time, you lose kind of um, what makes it special. So I, I guess it goes both ways. And like you said, comparing it to tennis, it's it's kind of like not even to take shots at Liverpool, but Liverpool's not good enough to be in the Champions League final every year. 
maybe Real Madrid is. They go all the time, obviously. They win all the time. But you're never really going to see that because it's so many more teams as opposed to, like, I don't know. I guess it's easier to dominate. Like if, if one person is the best, he's going to keep being the best as opposed to when it's a team and people move around and he can get injured, but this team still has to play and things of those natures. So um, I kind of don't agree with the whole we need to see Chelsea versus Bayern every other weekend or you get what I'm saying. It's exaggeration, but you understand what I'm saying. It, just, it, it loses spectacle. So that's what I think about it. Yo, so you want to follow back up and tell us anything else that's going on with any other ideas with the European football? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to touch on, like, obviously we know why he wants to do it. He just wants to get money for Real Madrid. And uh, he talks about, you know, how you know how many times his team played. So I get what you guys are saying, because it's like, in football, it's about shocks. And I wanted to bring in the context of tennis, because it's very easy to look at tennis and say, it's in a golden era where, you know, three of the goats in Nadal, Djokovic and Federer are playing each other regularly because they're getting to finals. But this is like a very unique period. You're not supposed to regularly get to finals. People weren't always doing this. And if anything, it's sort of like stifled the rest of like tennis. Like, like let's be real. Can you guys name, I know because I'm saying this because you guys aren't tennis fans. Can you tell me another male tennis player that isn't uh, like one of those big three or British or American? No. Exactly, and that's the point. It like it kind of kills the sport. I think football stands out because, like, of how many teams you could have. Like, let's be real. One of the biggest teams this year, in in the Champions League, is Napoli, and they're killing it. And let's be real. In the Super League, in the original twelve teams, they weren't part of the twelve teams because you know in Italy it was the Milan clubs and Juve. So we could have a world where. They may not get in or, you know, and and why should that be? You know, the best team in, in Europe changes every year, I think. So I feel like having any teams that are fixed sort of kills it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, I, I think just the constant same teams playing over and over again. Like you said, there's the Napoli. There's, um I'm going to say the name wrong, but Brug, Brug, that, that club. Bruges. You know what I mean? Doing what they're doing. Like... You need stuff like that. It's what makes it so interesting as opposed to if we just... Don't get me wrong. I know they're... Let's be honest. They're not going to get too far once it gets to knockout stages. I mean, you never know, but I don't expect it. But it's even like the year Tottenham like, made the run. I don't think many people thought they were going to win, but it's like, oh, sh- like Tottenham's in the Champions League final. Or when you see like Ajax come close, it's like you kind of root for these teams. Whereas if it's just... If it's just a Super League, who's the underdog? Like who who do you rally behind? Like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see Barcelona beat Bayern. I can't wait to watch Liverpool take out. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's it, it's all big clubs. It's just there's no Cinderella story. There's nothing to even get behind. Like like Villa taking out Bayern was amazing to see. If you're in the Super League, you don't get to see stuff like that because it's nothing but big rich clubs. Speaking of big rich clubs, my boy Todd Bowley has an idea. <laughs> To get the clubs a little richer, the All-Star game. So how do you guys feel about the All-Star game? I know he said he wanted to do a North-South thing. but And he got killed for it. But, um, you know, now he's talking about, well, not hey, but there's the idea of maybe different leagues play each other and stuff. So, uh, Yosef, it looks like you want to weigh in on this. So what do you think about the All-Star games? I like it, man. I guess it's just something where, obviously, you have to think about the logistics. 
with you know where it fits in the calendar and like game time and all that but you know just having more sort of having things that like solve these sort of tactical questions people have you know every every day you see something on on like twitter about uh, what league has the best league or the premier league's the best or you know premier league 11 will smoke the league 11 or the league 11 will smoke the premier league 11 or whatever and you know we, we only really have you know champions league teams and how far they go to really see who's the strongest league so I, i'd like to see that idea you know I, I get also the novelty of having you know different players play together i think that's one of the p- things you know we like the most about international football i mean i'm going to be real I've, I'm assuming in any all-star game the quality of football will probably be ass <laughs> like you're going to see if 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 someone isn't a 1v1 monster you know what are they going to do like i'm going to be i'm trying to think who would be the player that's like think of any system players like you would be chucked with your teammates for a week and you're gonna just you're just gonna look you're gonna like you don't know these guys like imagine like trent trying to like do balls where you know the system ain't made for him or like not just like so many players are just really struggle like take take someone like bruno in like the the city side and all of a sudden he's launching long balls when uh the boy wants a one two they're gonna be scrapping man yeah i'd just like to add to that um we said an all-star league, all-star game, so I'd assume you'd pick the best footballers. And I hear you speaking about Trent and Bruno. They're not going to make it into the all-star squad, let's be honest. If anything, they'll be on the bench at best. But yeah, um, generally my comments on Todd Bowley, um, I, I listened to his talk he gave about um, becoming the new owner of Chelsea. And besides him saying uh, Salah and De Bruyne were Chelsea Academy products, I don't think any any comments or any ideas he had were particularly outlandish. I feel he understands that he doesn't know a lot about football, but his aim with Chelsea is to put people in place that know more than him and that can help the club thrive. Um, he clearly has aims to make Chelsea a bigger brand, but that's not at the expense of the football, which you can argue has happened at Man United and to a lesser extent Liverpool with the somewhat lack of investment. So... I think he's got the right ideas. Even he's a, he's a huge fan of um, relegation. He understands that and how important that is to um, the football pyramid. Something else he mentioned. And speaking of the football pyramid, that is why he suggested an all-star game. He said how, um, I believe in American football, they have um, a similar game which grossed, I believe, two million across two days or or exceeding that. So, yeah, I think personally, I, I'm, I'm for... Um, an all-star game and there was a bit of backlash from Klopp who said yeah where are we going to fit in these schedules personally I would rather you'd remove the community shield and you'd put in an all-star game and I think uh, especially for those two clubs as opposed to having the whole squad used at that period of time you can have like three or four players on each side and then yeah it should be like um, um, fantasy football we can only have three players Per team, and I think it, I think it'd be fun personally. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think what he compared it to was the baseball All Star game. That's it. Because um, the baseball All Star game, they also do a home run derby, which is usually pretty big, and then they also have the game, which like sells out. 
So, like, kind of like Joseph said, don't get me wrong, like, the quality is not going to be, like, great football being played. But it's kind of not about that. Like, you want to see Neymar trying to do tricks. You want to see, like, people launching shots from outside the box. Like, that's what you're there for. It, it doesn't matter who wins. So you're not going to see them, like, trying to do tactics and, oh, we're trying to do this and catch them all. Like, no, no, it, no we're not doing that. It's just, like, let's watch a game. Let, let it be, like, 7-6. to six. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a fun game. You get to see some highlights. And again, like you said, it's also for the football pyramid. Generate some money. I think with Todd Bowley, I think clearly he knows how to generate money. The guy helps from the Dodgers. So, you know, he has plans now to, he has new plans. I don't know if you saw them to renovate the stadium. They're trying to buy some property nearby. He's just trying, I think, to make the most money for the club. And also, like, I think sometimes you need a, a set of eyes from outside to be like, well, why don't you guys do this? Well, why don't you guys do that? And like you said, like, do we need a community shield? Another step further is do we need a league cup? Like there's the FA Cup and now we have like what is it's the same teams. It's 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 gonna finish with the same teams in the finals, basically, a bunch of Premier League teams. So I don't really see the point. I think it's just a tradition thing. And I understand a bunch of British people don't want an American coming in trying to tell them like, hey, change your tradition of like this sport we don't even watch. But yeah, I think he's just trying to, you know, make the most money out of it and kinda help the game in general but i think it's funny to just look at him and be like haha yank said this haha he said we should have an all-star game haha he said this and then a month later people are like oh we should have la liga play it's like yeah he, he had a good idea i get that the oh the north and the south well like where do the guys on in the midlands play there's not going to be too many from the midlands probably in the all-star game to be honest so i mean there'll be a couple but you know what i'm saying I think the flaw of it is going to be more so you can't do North versus South because you're not going to like the an Arsenal fan is not going to want to see Saka and Harry Kane and Son and on this and then a bunch of Chelsea players on the same team. Like if you're a Liverpool fan and it's basically going to be Liverpool United and City players versus Chelsea, Tottenham and Arsenal players sprinkling some from the other clubs. Of course, I'm not trying to be like, oh, big six only, but. I'm being realistic. That's going to be the majority of the club, like the players. So it kind of makes the rivals really weird. But I do think if you do like an interleague thing, probably somehow get like Bundesliga in it so you can get some Bayern players and some Dortmund players. I think it'd be pretty interesting. I do find it uh, interesting. I mean, firstly, if you, yeah, North-South, I, I wouldn't do. Just keep it simple. Do something like red versus blue and then, you know, fit all the other Wasteman colours in there. Because obviously <laughs> I only care about red. But... Uh, you know, I think you know Bowie's gonna he's gonna get a lot of this where you know he's gonna get so much anti-American stick. Obviously, I think the Glazers has left an, a nasty legacy with all that, and you know with with good reason. But you know we saw what happened to Jesse Marsh where you know, people assumed everything he did was like this weird American quirk, and a lot of people have been critiquing what 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 Bowie suggested in like the media have made money from talking about it and asking people who would you have in your all-star team but you know I'm kind of curious as well I wanted to ask about how you know I mean to you Terry about how it works in America in terms of how because I guess it does have to shape the the fans have to treat it like you know maybe a less serious game because I'm one thing I'm thinking about here is my god like if imagine there was like a, a prem all star game between two teams, yeah, and like I said, I know the football's not going to be that good, but I still feel like let's say you had uh, 
in an all-star team. So you have like Salah skilling up like Van Dyke or Salah skilling up Trent. Van Dyke and Trent are gonna get cooked. Any any mistakes are still gonna get cooked. You're gonna be you know you're gonna be like the amount of people saying fraud watch. So like how is it seen when you do like in the NBA All Stars and like in the baseball when they do the in when they do their version like how how do fans see it? Well, I think recently um, the biggest change in American All Star games is in the NBA. It used to be Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. So what they do now is they um they do it like a schoolyard pick if you know what I mean. So they'll basically do you'll you vote players in. So the player, one player from the East and one player from the West, whoever had the highest votes are the captains. So you can just do a Premier League vote and you would just vote for like whoever the top two people are, are the captains, and then they pick their team. Who also qualifies for the game. You get what I'm saying? So that kind of makes it interesting because now you have like, you'll have like LeBron is on one team and Anthony Davis is on the other team. So they're against each other now. So, or, or you'll see, like, certain people, like, LeBron will be like, oh, I have to pick my teammate. So, like, like you know what I mean? It's kind of like a running joke. And then you'll also see when players don't like each other, they avoid picking each other. So, it kind of adds drama to it, too. So, I think it's, like, cool. And, like, I think when someone gets, like, dunked on or anything like that at the All-Star game, no one takes it too serious. I think it's just kind of like, like a clip. The players kind of play into it. Like, Steph Curry got dunked on one year. And he just, like, laid on the ground. Like, like he was scared and stuff, like. They have a good time. I think it's more about the fun than taking it too serious. And it's about making it a weekend. So if you do that and then you put it like in a city, you get fans who will travel into the other cities and you make it a weekend. I'm sure the local businesses do amazing because of it. So I think it's cool. I think it'd be worth it. And I think if you do it as uh, as a multiple league thing, you have more potential because you can do it one year in Barcelona and then the next year it can be in Munich and then the next year it can be in London and then the next year it can be in Paris. You know what I mean? I think that makes it more interesting than if you're just doing a Premier League thing where you're only going to have like the same couple of cities. Like there's, don't get me wrong, there's so many teams, but you're not going to want to put the All-Star game in some of those cities because those cities, one, probably aren't going to be able to kind of host the events you want around an All-Star game. You know what I mean? So there's not, kind of like you wouldn't, you wouldn't see an all-star game in, like, these smaller cities. People look forward more to, like, L.A. and New York and stuff like that. This week, we had a little bit of a scandal situation, whatever you want to call it, with Eubank Jr. and Connor Ben. Connor Ben testing positive for a drug. I'm sorry, I forgot what it's called. Clomiphene. All right, cool. So, yeah, Connor Ben tested positive for clomiphene, a fertility drug that is meant to help, I believe, pregnant women. But it raises testosterone. So, Arif, if you want to tell us a little bit what's going on in this crazy world of boxing. Yeah, for sure. I guess these last couple of weeks sums up everything that's wrong with boxing, if we're being honest. So, um, well, last Saturday, we were meant to look forward to one of the biggest British fights ever. Um, Conor Ben versus uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Their fathers previously, obviously, Chris Eubank Sr. and um, Nigel Ben. I believe their first two fights did over 15 million views in Britain alone. Um, it was on it was on national t- television, but it still shows how much of a household name they are. And and it it was the country was looking forward to it. Um, but unfortunately, the fight between Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. was called off. 
because um, the British Board of Control said that Conor Ben and Chris Eubank, you know, the fight is prohibited and not in interest of boxing because an adverse analytical finding for trace amounts of a fertility drug were found in one of um, Conor Ben's tests. This is crazy to me, first of all. Like, I don't know what he's doing with a fertility drug, but listening to, um, I guess, former boxers, what they said was that drug within men, it can increase testosterone. And there's varying reports. It can be between a 70% increase or 200% increase. So it is a really scary drug. And uh, I guess naturally, once a fighter fails a drugs test, you assume the bout's over. There should be no controversy. But uh, the thing was that this fight um, still could have went ahead. While the British uh, Boxing Board of Control said it wasn't in- interesting of boxing, Eddie Hearn and um, Chris, Eubank's, uh, Chris Eubank Jr.'s promoter were still attempting to make the fight go ahead. So the issue arised was the British Board of Control don't acknowledge VADA as a drug testing agency because they are with UCAD. So just to simplify a little, UCAD stands for the United Kingdom Anti-Doping Agency, while VADA is voluntary. So technically, the fight still could have went ahead, but it just shows you how disjointed boxing is. The fact that you can fail a drug test and the fight still can go ahead. I, I just found it completely crazy. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of a mess. Um, I think it was kind of crazy that Matchroom and Wasserman Boxing were trying to keep it going. Um, that's clearly a money grab. Uh, it's dangerous. And to be honest, I think above anything, I think we kind of owe Chris Eubank Sr. an apology because he was saying repeatedly that like, this fight shouldn't happen. It's dangerous to my son. And I don't know if he knew what Conor Ben was up to or maybe like, you know, if he was tipped off to it. But like, it's kind of, I think a lot of people didn't, um, didn't recognize kind of that he's had a little bit of these situations before. So that's kind of making him look even more shady. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just don't like that they try to keep the fight going ahead. I don't like that they were going to risk the safety. And it's not just the promoters because the boxers supposedly want to do it too. So I think all in all, it just, it's like these boxers talk so much about, oh, the YouTubers are ruining the sport and the YouTubers. Are, but like, look at what's really going on right now. A fight got canceled on, I believe, Wednesday. Right before a major event that sold out the O2 got canceled. And then now the nonsense going on with Tyson Fury. But yeah, let's blame the YouTubers for making it look crazy. The scariest thing was this fight may not have been even canceled. It's because the results were leaked. These results have been around for two weeks. Like both the Chris Eubank camp and the Conor Ben camp have known he's failed a drugs test. The moment a fighter fails a drugs test, it should be out of the hands of the promoters, out of the hands of the fighters, and the fight should be scrapped. So it it just blows my mind. And I think that's where a lot of the outrage comes. The fact that they were still considering um, having this bout. A, uh, around a decade ago, and might even be over that now, uh, I believe Derek Chisora and David Hay fought with a different boxing uh, commission because they weren't they weren't allowed to fight under the British Board of Control. So it just shows there are these loopholes and it's terrifying. And just going back to what you said about how dangerous the sport is, and you mentioned 
Chris Eubank Sr. He had a fight with famously with Michael Watson and that left that man in a coma. And to this day, if you've seen an interview a couple of years ago, he's still uh, chair bound. His speech is slurred. It's, it's not, with all due respect, it's not a sport like football. It's not a sport like basketball with really and truly the worst thing that can happen are failing a drugs test. Yeah, you may have ran a bit quicker. You may have, I don't know, jumped a little higher. You are taking years off people's lives and potentially ending lives. The difference between one punch and three punches getting thrown is literally life and death. And the fact that there was even a consideration this bout could have went on just showed you the sorry state boxing is. And it's like, I personally, I do like Eddie Hearn and I do like what Matrim were doing, but that just shows you at the end of the day, these men, they don't care about what's best for the athletes, what's best for the boxers. They are promoters. Their aim is to maximise revenue and get as many as much money as possible. So if they were able to make the fight go ahead, 100% it would. And it's, it's just sad. It's the fact that it could have went ahead if a leak didn't come out. And yeah, like, Joseph, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I feel like it's it's just a it's sort of a sham way to just a fight that sort of sums up like what Terry was saying about how you can blame YouTubers and all oh, this about boxing, but uh, this fight is not that much better. Let's be real. This fight had no business happening in the first place. That is what Chris Eubank Sr. was moaning about because... Like, the only reason this fight's happening is because both of the fighters' dads fought. And yeah, that, that was popular. Yeah, of course. And that was popular because it was natural. But, you know, they're different weight divisions. So even without the drugs test, Eubank would have to have had, you know, a, a, a reduction in weight that his dad would have felt as dangerous. They were also going to weigh him, I think, when he was entering the ring, right? Just to, to make sure of this in a way that you don't know. Arif, can you clarify on that? Yeah, so what another controversial point of this fight was there was a hydration clause. So usually after a fight weighs in, they are able to rehydrate, um, take in as much fluids as they like, eat as much as they like as well. Um, but in this case, once Chris Eubank makes the weight, there was a clause in his contract. He can't go over a certain weight. So that meant he wouldn't be able to take in as much fluids as he normally would and eat as much as he would until after the fight. And one of the biggest killers in combat sports unboxing is the, the weight cuts because your brain is going to be starved of the oxygen. And then when you're taking the hits, let's say eight hours after making the weight, it's not healthy. Mm, yeah, exactly. And so you have all of that. And I mean, forget even on the weight thing, why this fight shouldn't have happened. Let's be real here. I don't think Conor Bent is, you know, if he wasn't the son of Nigel Bent, Chris Eubank Jr. would not be looking to fight this guy. They're, they're two, I feel like they're different levels in terms of just the, the type of boxer anyway. And, you know, let's be real. The reason why they wanted to continue, even while knowing, you know, that Ben tested positive was because there's no belts on the line. It was only for money. Because obviously there's money in a limit, but I I I tell you right now, if 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 Fury Joshua was had a deal going, and a week before that fight, Joshua found out that you know Fury like uh was was found to have a positive sample or vice versa, I don't think obviously the money matters, but you know I feel like you know 
if they disqualify, they want to, they want those belts. And when there's belts on the line, you don't want to, you know, you're going to try and get a belt, ideally in a way, where you don't have to risk getting sparked. So, you know, I feel like in this scenario, of course, Eubank's going to want to try and keep the fight going because that's kind of all there is for for him, you know. It's, he's only doing it for the money. He's only doing it for the, you know, the, the hype around this fight, you know, trying to, you know, capitalise on the fact that they're, like, both fighters' parents had one of the biggest fights in the 90s in this country. And, you know, that's, that's, that's dumb as hell. We shouldn't... That's, that's not why... We should be having these fights. Like, what well, you know, what are we gonna do next? Is it like, you know, has 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 Mike Tyson got a kid? Has Hollowfield got a kid? Are we gonna make them fight? Like, all these we're just gonna have like loads of famous people's fighting. Are we gonna have like an in football at eleven of like Man City's kids? See how good they're balling, make them play United's kids. Like, see how it no, like I just it just it, it feels like this was kind of a little bit of like a publicity stunt from start to finish so in a way maybe the the way it ended was 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 apt and was more dramatic in a way than it could have ever been on the ring yeah while i do agree with a lot of things you said i personally and i think a lot of boxing fans would have loved to see that fight yes in some ways it is a mismatch um conor ben is going up 20 pounds and Chris Eubank Jr. is coming down around £10. I I think there is that interest and they're at a weird point in their careers where it kind of could happen. So I I get your concerns. I I get your reasoning to think maybe it's a complete mismatch. But I think there is enough interest and there is enough uh, behind it for it to be like a very brilliant spectacle. But yeah... um, I take on board what you say and I think a lot of people do would feel the way you do but personally if it is done correctly I'd love to see that fight right, so before we get off the topic of boxing I do want to ask you guys the fight was postponed not cancelled do we see this fight or is it not happening again because it's a lot for Eubank Jr. to come down to that weight and Conor Ben might get banned so do you think that we ever see this fight or not really I personally believe it will happen, and I hope it does happen, I'll be honest. Um, recently, well, I say recently, just 12 hours ago, um, Chris Eubank Jr. weighed in at 159 pounds, showing he can make the weight, and he looked very, he looked in good shape. He was chiseled, he looked fit, looked healthy. So I think he's comfortable making that weight. My only fear is the rehydration clause, but he seems to be, to be fair, Chris Eubank Jr. probably has the one of the best poker faces in a boxing so you can't tell if he's distressed or if he's concerned but he looks confident so i think if both parties um are comfortable and we fix this anti-doping situation and chris eubank sorry not chris eubank conor ben is found to be cleared and it was accidental which i don't believe it was and him and i'm not saying just to clarify i'm not saying it's conor ben's fault uh, he may have not taken it intentionally but i wouldn't be surprised if someone in his team put that supplement in one of his protein shakes or just told him to take it and said it was um, valid. Because unfortunately, when you do have these fights that are worth millions of pounds, you have massive teams and he is coming up 20 pounds. So you've got to understand, especially maybe he's nutritionist or one of the sports scientists on his teams thought, this is probably the only way we're going to get him up to this weight um, in this amount of time. So yeah, so hopefully this little 
postponement we're having will give Conor Ben time to naturally put on the weight. And if there's no drugs issues, if it's cleared up, I'd love to see this fight. So, Yosef, do you think the fight gets made or do you think that um, both men just go their own ways in their career? Hey, look, man, money talks. This this is going to this gonna be a money seller. I'll say one thing about Eubank. I think he sold this fight brilliantly. I think he, uh, you know, the way he promoted it and the way he was acting on social media, you know, he hyped it up. I think it eventually will happen. I, I'm not going to you know, be a bit worried about the fight. I think Eubank will win. But, you know, if, if Ben's on stuff or is like, you know, if all this, you know, one punch could be really deadly for Eubank, especially the rehydration cause. But ultimately, I'm looking out for the for the GOAT fight between the two undefeated boxers, Mayweather versus Deji. That's what I'm oh here for. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to shift now to some American sports. We're going to talk about Miami Dolphins quarterback, Tua, who recently suffered a pretty nasty hit um, while playing against the Cincinnati Bengals, had a concussion, was taken off the field in a stretcher. Uh, one, the hit was pretty insane. The, the aftermath was pretty graphic but the game before that against the buffalo bills he also looked to have a concussion he was hit he got up he was wobbly uh couldn't walk straight he went into concussion protocols he passed concussion protocols and finished the game and then the Bills said he actually had a back injury so i guess that's why he was wobbly and was shaking his head was because his back hurt but um yeah we actually were just talking about it arif just watched the video of the situation. So Arif, do you want to weigh in on what you think of the situation? I think it's it's absolutely terrifying. Obviously, I like to think I'm somewhat of the boxing expert here. So I've seen my fair share of concussions and w- people on wobbly legs. But when I saw Tua Tagovailoa on the floor, it, it was ter- like terrifying. I, it seemed like his body was frozen up. His fingers were extended out. It was... I, I don't know what to say. I, to people that are somewhat squeamish, I'd say do not watch the video, do not look at it. But it is, it is a clear sign of concussion and potentially like swelling of the brain. I hope not, but it's terrifying. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm just, it's, it's nasty. And I think that's the worst thing about it because... You know, it's it's it was just so predictable. That's the worst thing. You know, a player he was he was, he was looking concussed in the game before. I think it was only four days before. Yeah, it was that Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and you know, he saw him staggering and he was clutching his head, and sort of like a sort of like what's the, you know, the 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 phrases that are that are bad to use, like you know, when it's saying the whole so called you know shaking off the, the cobwebs and. And all of that, and you know the the Dolphins team claimed that it was actually a, a back injury rather than a head injury, even though you know to to most people it didn't it didn't look like no no damn back injury. Man, when we saw it, it it that looked like a head injury, and then uh, and that's the point. It was only because of that, because the actual hit itself. There's our our reveal sign behind the camera here, because when Ara first saw the hit, he didn't see the he didn't see how Tua looked afterwards. Ara was like that's not so bad and a hit in in isolation is in terms of american football something you see normally this is a bit of whiplash his head hits the ground that's that's normal but it's just how he is afterwards i don't think i've seen 
a concussion like that and it's it's just just worrying about like having two concussions like that so soon after each other like no joke could be deadly that is that is the exact sort of thing where that's how people die and frankly no sport should be putting their players through that yeah and it's kind of gets you to wonder what's it going to take before we start taking this more seriously this guy got injured on a sunday so if it is a back injury he probably shouldn't be playing four days later but it's not a back injury i don't think anyone believed it was a back injury he you know how we're not supposed to say he got his bell rung he got that's what happened he he was clearly something going on and again if this is your quarterback this is your player and we care so much about the safety of players why is he playing four days after any injury that took him out the game for a brief period of time so it's like what's gonna have to happen for us to start taking this stuff seriously is someone gonna have to die on the field is someone gonna have to be paralyzed like it's a joke um the concussion protocol is a joke he shouldn't have been allowed to go back in that game. He shouldn't have been allowed to play in the same week. This is stuff that can cause permanent damage. And it's also, this, uh, it's the culture of it. It's the culture of American football and of uh, these sports that he's going to go out there. He probably knew he shouldn't have been playing, but he can't tell the team that. He can't come out and say, oh, I can't do it because then it's all oh, he's soft and all oh, he's a quitter. No, he's supposed to be the quarterback. But it, it was just... if. If you just watched what was going on, it was clear as day what was going to happen. People were on Twitter before the games speaking about like something's going to go wrong here because it was so obvious that he was banged up. It, it was just you just hate to see it. And it's like you said, it's the aftermath. I, you, you like look at it and you cover your eyes. They get the look through your like, oh, my, he, he's he's just there. And I'm not going to detail what it looks like, but it was it was bad, man. And hopefully the NFL gets it together. These are the same guys that say they want player safety and they just added another game to the schedule. It's a joke. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this becomes the thing that changes it because, like, I think the doctor who allowed him to play, cleared him, is now reportedly being fired. I think the way they're describing it is something like the right, the right steps, but, uh, the like the wrong uh maybe how they're taken which i think we agree that's cap but uh they've now added i think the nfl's added to their concussion protocols something which they call uh ataxia which you know in layman terms is literally just when you lose your balance or stability or you have like dysfunctional speech caused by a neurological issues so a head injury and uh that's now a mandatory list of symptoms. So if if that's recognised in a player, that will stop a player re-entering the game. Where I think there's two questions to that. Where it's like, firstly, why the hell wasn't that already one of the mandatory list of symptoms? You're telling me if someone had dysfunctional speech, they'd be like, okay, champ, drink this water. Are you ready to play? Uh, and 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 secondly, it's just if that's if that wasn't there, what was there? And I mean, it just is ridiculous how far we we know. Let's I think let's say in the last ten years we we've covered a lot on CT on like stuff like CT and head injuries and concussions, and especially in the NFL, where they have uh they've sort of 
former players have rallied around this and eventually, you know, that you can't you're not gonna win by sticking your head in the sand here. You're gonna have to like something's gonna have to eventually be done because like you said, Terry, someone could die and when it gets to that point, that's when it's like, Oh my god, what have we done? The former NFL player, Emmanuel Acho, he's um he's a talk show host. Oh, I shouldn't say talk show host, he runs a he's on a sports show. Um, he's one of the analysts, one of the talking heads. And again, he's a former player. And he talked about what happened when he went into concussion pro- protocol. He said he's asked a couple questions. If you can answer them correctly, you get out. And two of the questions he said were, what day is it? Um, basically, to make it so you guys understand pretty much the same way. It would be the same thing as asking a Premier League player during a game. Hey, what day is it? Well, we only typically play on one day or two days a week. So if you ask a Premier League player with a concussion, what day is it? He probably is going to say it's Saturday. He might say it's Sunday, but it's kind of easy. So if you're an NFL player, well, it's probably Sunday. So that way. The second question he was asked was, who's the president? He's known who the president was for about two, three years now. So that's another one that's like that has nothing to do with being concussed. That's just simple. Like that can't knowing what day it is and who the president is are two questions that can't be, okay, yeah, you're good, go back in the game after you. I just watch you get thrown to the floor, hit your head, and, and clearly have symptoms of something being wrong. But because you can guess what day it is of the week, and because of who the president has been for a couple years now, yeah, you're good, no worries. It's just, I mean, it's supposedly they're making changes. Hopefully the changes are positive and they're real because that's it's just a joke, man. All right, so lastly, we'll stick with some American sports. Um, a little bit of a mix, actually. We have basketball and a little bit of boxing. As Draymond Green decided to show Jordan Poole his right hand. Uh, what do you guys think? Eric, what do you think about Draymond Green's punch on Jordan Poole and how it should be handled? Yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of words in American media use such a scuffle, a little scrap. Um, no, it, he... If you see the footage, he hits Jordan Paul with a right hand and Jordan Paul's body collapses underneath him. He was out cold. It was, in my opinion, it was a sucker punch because he wasn't expecting the punch and he was out cold. And the, I guess the fallout from the video was this footage should never have been leaked. Oh, like it just shows that whoever leaked the footage should be sacked. I'm like, no, Draymond Green should be the one that's sacked. This isn't a little bust up between teammates where you butt heads and you just push each other. Whatever happened in training, he went on and chose to assault his younger teammate by 10 years. And in my opinion, now circulating on the internet, he came out of apology um, just the other day saying how, yeah, I feel, I feel ashamed, I feel embarrassed, I feel bad for poor, poor bad for his family. Well, you can't take it back. And I, I just think it's a disgrace. And this isn't the sort of behaviour you'd have towards a friend or teammate. I Personally, I believe it happens all the time between friends, between families, between teammates. If you, you can have a little scuffles. But the fact that he went and threw a right hand at him with the intent of knocking him out shows how it shows his opinion of Jordan Paul. He doesn't seem this guy as a friend. He doesn't seem this guy as a comrade. He doesn't seem this guy as a fellow professional. He saw him as like almost as an enemy, that the, the way he swung at him, that is not a man 
that you respect or have any love for. And I think, yeah, personally, I think it should have been taken out of Draymond's hands. And the Warriors, I think they're acting cowardly, giving this man a few weeks off. I think he's terminate, he's, sorry, his contract should have been terminated then. And whoever wants to take him in the NBA should take him. But I think it's a total disgrace. I don't. I I I disagree with that in the sake of it's 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 behind closed doors, you know. It's leaked off like some CCTV camera. It feels like in a game, yeah. Because I I I feel like this happens more than we think, you know. I can you know I think people change you know in terms of relationships dynamics, especially in like preseason where this is the bit where. There's no game. There's nothing to sort of release that high. You're you're just working in the gym. You're working in the court, running routines over and over again for hours in a day. You're doing that for a few weeks every day. You're seeing the same people. You know, I think we were discussing about the context of it. Apparently, it's about the contracts. So that's already something to make it, uh, you know, a bit of a simmer intention. I feel like the vibe of the teammates and all looking, people say, why didn't they back pull? But it just feels like it seemed like it the way they were like talking before the punch and the way everyone else was reacting to it was like as if this was nothing new. And I've seen memes comparing the reaction to Draymond Draymond punching someone and MJ punching, you know, all the rumours about we all we all saw the last dance and, you know, all this idea about elite mentalities and you know, if this is something that happens a lot, then yeah, it's a problem. But if in a one-off scenario, like, I, 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 I honestly think this happens more than we think. And it's, it's obviously bad, you know. I'm not out here condoning people saying to punch, but I'm saying this isn't something that's irrecoverable. You know, you, I think they can get back to this. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them both posing together at the end of the season holding a ring that's all I'm saying I understand the point you're trying to ma- you're making but this isn't common behaviour I understand players getting each other's faces they may have a bit of in this country we like to call it handbags pushing each other around um, but this this isn't the case we've got to use context this is Draymond Green one of the most senior players in the Warriors uh, more than not, not the vocal leader the man that does is he's supposed to be the protector of his team and then one of their youngest stars I think he's junior by around 10 years and it's not like they both squared up and almost agreed to fight clearly Paul didn't see this coming he shoved him and I, I think he thought that's where it would get de-escalated but then Draymond Green went and punched him in the face and from what it looks like, knocked him out cold. And we were speaking about concussion earlier with the boxing and earlier with the American football. This isn't a joke. So uh, it shows a lack of respect for Paul at every level. He clearly doesn't see him as a teammate. He clearly doesn't see him as a friend. And personally, I think the Warriors have been so poor with the way they've handled this thus far. Like, Draymond Green coming out on his own saying, oh, I'm taking a couple weeks back. Who are you to say I'm taking the rest? It should have been taken out of his hands. Steve Kerr should have come out and said, this is what is happening. And I don't get like it shouldn't have been in Draymond's hands. And that's opened up another like gripe I have with basketball, how it's almost like the NBA stars have all the power. You assaulted, I'm, I'm, I'm making it clear. He assaulted one of a fellow professional. And he's chosen to take time off. 
I, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I actually agree kind of more so with Arif. Uh, no offense, Yosef. But I do think that you probably do see dust-ups, but this wasn't a dust-up. This wasn't... It was Jordan Poole, I don't think, expected to be punched in the face. I think, if anything, the push was kind of a give me my space, like you're in my space right now. I don't think it was a like, hey, let's fight. It was kind of just like a backup kind of push, kind of protecting himself. And then Draymond just launched himself at him. But I think a bigger issue I also have with it too is like, this is Draymond Green. I don't know how much you guys follow it, but this is the guy who was doing podcasts in the middle of the NBA finals. He was doing podcasts after basketball games. After everything, he had a podcast. Whenever anything goes on, Draymond Green has something to say. So Draymond Green just punched his teammate in the face and where's the podcast? I'd love to hear a podcast about what happened. I'd love to hear a Twitter. Where are the tweets about what happened? But no, I'm going to stick. No, no, Mr. And it's the, oh, it's the new media. It's the new media. All right, cool. So go let the new media tell me what happened. Why did I find out what happened through a TMZ leak? You know what I mean? It's, it's. People love to get onto journalists about, oh, you guys this, you guys that. But it's a journalist's job to tell the story. So now, since you want to be the new media, well, tell us the story. But obviously, the team probably told him, like, you can't say anything. He's going to listen to the team and not say anything, even though he was podcasting in the middle. He would lose a game in the playoffs and go podcast. But he he does this. You're not going to hear from him. He's going to step away, disappear for a while. And it's going to be this, oh, I've... I've decided to step away from the team. No, the team probably told you, you should probably get out of here for a little bit. And yeah, but there's also players like there's a Knicks player, Evan Fournier. There's a retired player, Steven Jackson, who's a podcaster. And the two of them have both said like, ah, I don't know if like, you can fix this. Steven Jackson was in the malice of the palace, but he said like, I've never seen, I've never fought someone like that. And he said he's never seen a punch like that, like between teammates. Evan Fournier on the Knicks said, like, I can't go back to being your teammate after that. There are other players, of course, older players, who are like, oh, no, you should have seen our practices. I doubt that happened in your practices. I just doubt it. I do think there was dust-ups. That, those were dust-ups. Those were scuffles. That was none of that. That was one dude punching another dude in the face who's 10 years older and probably 80 pounds bigger than the other guy. So I think if you're Draymond Green, if you're so new media, if you're so... Uh, so into telling your stories on podcasts and everything. Well, I'd love to hear about this whenever you're done taking your break from the team. Or while you're taking away your break away from the team, you probably have plenty of free time. So, you know, you can plug your camera in, plug your mic in, and, you know, do exactly what we're doing right now and tell us what's going on instead of having to fill in the blanks because some dude sold his team, sold his video to TMZ probably for like $50,000. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Uh, we gotta invite him onto the pod, man. We gotta see. We need to invite them both for like one week after the other, man. We need to get both sides. If if or Draymond, if you wanna if you wanna chat, you know, there's always a space for you here. I can't lie. I don't feel like we may have to hold Terry back. I don't think you're the biggest Draymond fan. Yeah, he might punch me in the face. Well, that's what we need. We need them views. So <laughs> we, gotta, we need our traction. So that is a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> Draymond, I'll let you punch Terry in the face if you want to come on our podcast. Just say it. Thanks. I'll get more than fifty thousand. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but all right, guys, it was good getting back in the groove of things. It's Beyond the Pond podcast, and that's it for now. We're out, and I'll see you guys next week.